Hi friends, this is Down the Hall Dave. I wanted to take a minute just to tell you about some of the other projects that I'm working on. First, every morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, I pray the St. Michael Chaplet on Facebook Live. I pray for your intentions and mine. Go to Facebook at Down the Hall Dave if you want to check it out live, or if you can't, check it out on replay and leave your prayer requests in the comments. Next, I'm really happy to announce that I have been accepted to be a part of the Catholic Speakers Organization. If your organization is looking to fill their speaking needs for a parish mission or, or conference, please check out catholicspeakers.com. Finally, I'm really excited to announce that I will be working with singer, songwriter, and composer David Lawrence Holly on my new two-minute meditations called Somewhere Along the Way. These two-minute meditations are just something to ponder for a while. So I hope you will join me somewhere along the way at www.castingthe.net. Stay tuned after this episode of Along the Way for episode one. It's titled Harder Than It Seems. And please remember, when you're at www.castingthe.net, please sign up for my new email newsletter and be notified when a new episode of Along the Way is released. Thanks, and God's peace be with you always. This is a Spirit of Truth Radio Network original program. I love to hear people tell their stories. Good ones when storytellers do it with vulnerability. Vulnerability makes that instant connection. My guest today did that right off the bat. And that is why this is one of my favorite casual conversations to date. Joining me along the way is one of the hosts of the podcast, Practically Catholic, Father Anthony Federico. Father, welcome. Hey, Dave. Great to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, it's really good to have you, Father. You know, recently, back last month, you and I were featured in the uh, Catholic Transcript, which is the uh, Archdiocese Magazine Catholic Transcript, obviously. But uh, I have to give props to the people at the Catholic Transcript because they definitely put the right guy's face on the cover, uh, (laughs) and it wasn't mine. (laughs) Father, um, yes. They did a really nice article on on podcasters here in Connecticut, which featured you, uh, Father Gatsik, past guest, and and my former pastor was Father Dolan, as well as uh, Archbishop uh, Leonard Blair. There's a lot of podcasting going on, Father, and and, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about yours? Yeah, Catholic Transcript brought us together, Dave. Shout out to Karen Evitable, Shelly Wolf, Aaron Joseph, and everyone who puts the Catholic Transcript together, those behind-the-scenes folks who... Who make it possible. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm the co-host of a podcast called Practically Catholic, and uh, my co-hostess and I, uh, we try to make the Catholic faith real, relatable, and practical for the various moments of everyday life. So waiting in line at the grocery store, going to a restaurant, having dinner with your family, what does it look like to be Catholic in real life, everyday moments? Mm-hmm. What I think is cool about our show is that um, I'm a Catholic priest, and Natalia, my co-host, this is a a young wife and mother of three, and she's also a lay missionary. She's raised her kids all over the world, uh, evangelizing and spreading the gospel. So we kind of have two unique perspectives that I think hopefully work well together on the show. Yeah, but your your uh, perspective really, you ha- have a history behind you. Uh, you <laughs> kind of came from the media, but uh, you know you were kind of a behind the scenes kind of guy. How come that name sounds familiar? Why does Anthony Federico sound familiar? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, Pope Francis said on the first time he ever walked out on the balcony that night, he was made the Pope. He said, uh, my name's Jorge and I'm a sinner. And uh, something like that is true in my life. And um, so I used to work at ESPN. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a, a writer and editor at ESPN Mobile. And um, uh, my life in the media has really been a blessing, even though it was um, 
not the path that the Lord chose for me. I, I've learned a lot of communication skills and, and um, the way that people receive information and the way to tell stories that I think has really served me as a priest. And um, I'm so happy that the Lord has brought me on this journey that included a stop in, in, in sports media world. Hmm. Well, were, you, were you working right in Bristol? I was, yeah. Yeah, that's up. Everyone in Connecticut knows someone that works at ESPN, right? Yeah, I mean, if you drive through Bristol, you have got to see ESPN. It's it's, it's an amazing facility. Tell me how that how that experience has has helped you in your priesthood. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the main thing that I take away from my time at ESPN is how important stories are, and I, as a priest, who have the privilege of preaching every day. Paul writes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so much of our faith is transmitted through hearing, through, through preaching, through sermons, through media, through the, the vast tradition of our Catholic faith and learning how to tell a story in a way that will captivate people and excite the imagination and God will and touch the heart is at the core of, of what it means to preach the gospel. So I think I learned a lot in, in the media world about how to tell a story, praise God, and I also learned a little bit about suffering as well. And my, my time at ESPN ended in sort of a, um, you know, ignoble fashion. I was fired from my job there when I was accused of writing a, a racial slur. And I experienced like the backlash and hatred of, of, I guess, being canceled and having the whole world come to conclusions about me and, and uh, getting hate mail and death threats. And so the people who come to me for advice, for counsel that want to talk to a priest, um, I kind of know what it means to suffer in that way. Um, I, I think that the Lord prepared me for that moment of helping people carry their cross by some of the stuff that I, I experienced in, in the aftermath of being fired there. So I can see in, in retrospect, the Lord's hand on my life at, at every step of the way. Father, what is it about today's community that we judge people so harshly to the point where when, when we're wrong, we hold on to that, that judgment and we, why do we have to always seem to crucify people why do we always have to why is it people are always asking for people to be fired you know yeah it's a great question why do the people who who worship jesus with palms and hosannas on palm sunday those are the same folks who are shouting crucify him you know a week later and i think in our in our modern world with with technology and social media as great as they are to have a an opinion that crucifies someone online has no consequences. And I'm thinking back to like the ancient world or even like the early days, you know, American revolution, like when you had a problem with someone or an accusation, you had to stand up uh, in a public forum with evidence and witnesses and engage in a reasonable discussion and debate. And there were consequences to being wrong there. And people had a right to be heard and tried fairly. And, um, that's just not the case anymore in our society with, with no consequences to levying accusations about people. And that's my thought on that. Mm. How did that event bring you to decide to become a priest? So after I was fired from my job there and I experienced a, a terrible backlash of, um, of hatred, I guess, uh, I was unemployed for 30 days. It was a very dark period in my life. Uh, I was kind of like a pariah in the, in the sports media world. And I ended up getting a job as a consultant uh, for a little company in Stamford, Connecticut. And it turns out the best part of my new job was that on my lunch break every day, the bosses told me to get out of the office. And I was kind of used to working the overnight shift and eating quickly at my desk. But on my lunch break, I took a walk in downtown Stamford and 
uh, one day on this, these walks, I walked past St. John the Evangelist Basilica in downtown Stamford, and I noticed that the doors were open on a spring day, and people were inside going to Mass. And I don't know if you know this, Dave, but Catholics can go to Mass other than on Sundays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Daily Mass. And I was a cradle Catholic, and I was really that concept was foreign to me. But I walked past the church. Nah, it's not for me. The second day I walked past, and on the third day, I walked past the church, and I decided to go to Daily Mass. And I was hooked. And it was became a quickly became a part of my routine, and my coworkers, my colleagues from Stanford, who are these brilliant people from all over the world, none of whom were Catholic, uh, they start asking me, well, you know, where do you go every day on your lunch break? And I tell them, I'm going to mass. Why don't you come with me? And one by one, they start joining me, and we become this little band of apostles. And you know, they're they're not Catholic, so they're going to sort of get out of the office or appreciate a new ritual or mm-hmm. uh, to just learn and to just experience something new, but we would go out for dinner or drinks after work. And they would ask me all these questions about what they experienced at mass that day. And I, as the resident Catholic of the group would have to answer their questions. And so, cause I didn't really want to lie to them, but I also didn't know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So I went home and pulled a book off my shelf and dusted it off. And it's called the catechism of the Catholic church. And I start reading the why behind the what, you know, everyone knows what the Catholic church teaches on, especially on these hot button issues, Mm -hmm. but the why behind it is, is spelled out for us in plain English in the catechism, especially in versions like the UCAT or or the kids catechism, which are very helpful. Mm. So I started pouring into the church's rationale behind these teachings. And the more I started reading, uh, the more I became convinced that this religion, this custom, this way of life that I grew up with, deserved my full attention. And I started taking the faith seriously. And as I started explaining the faith to my coworkers, from what I learned in the catechism, I felt something really come alive in me. And I felt that call from when I was a kid to become a priest, that, mm. that call that I had put aside since I was a kid, that call that I had put aside to pursue a career in sports media, um, that call really came back in a hungry way. And I felt like, wow, explaining these, this, this truth mm. is really what makes me feel alive. And, um, that's when I started to seriously think about entering the seminary. So even though you said you were a, cur- a cradle Catholic, would you say that you were a Catholic revert? I don't know. That's a great question. I've heard people use that term before. I grew up Catholic. We practiced the faith, but it wasn't the most um, intentional, dominant, everyday aspect of our lives. Mm-hmm. When I went to college, I drifted from the faith and, and lived the ways of the world. And after college, I was kind of uh, pursuing success and fame and in and, and, and the world while also feeling a deep longing for, um, for wholeness and peace that I just wasn't finding. So mm-hmm. call that what you will, but that's my story. And you're sticking to it, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so you've been a writer, you know, throughout your, your secular life and, and you've, you've turned and you've used that skill recently. You want to talk about a little bit about uh, your book? Sure. Praise God. Yeah. I, I recently uh, had a novel published, Catholic Fiction. I think that Catholic imagination is so, um, so sorely needed in our world today. You know, Bishop Barron talks about beauty reclaiming the world and, and the, the transcendentals of truth, goodness, and beauty being part of the, the way of capturing the world's attention. And uh, I guess my meager contribution to that and to the new evangelization is this, this book called Joe B., and it's a, uh, a modern-day adaptation of the ancient book of Job from the Old Testament. It's set in modern-day Manhattan. 
And it kind of retells the biblical story of suffering, which is the theme of the book of Job, why we suffer. Mm-hmm. But I think it tells it in a, in a new way, telling the, the ancient eternal truth in a new modern way. And uh, so far, I think people have been uh, receptive to it and they seem to really like the scenes of that uh, depict the role of our guardian angels in our daily lives and, and uh, even the demons that tempt us in our daily lives. So mm-hmm. I think there's a, a lot of, um, I'm excited about it and uh, hope other people are too. Who published it for you? I self-published it through Amazon's uh, publishing oh. service. Okay. So if anybody wants to get that book, they can just go to Amazon and purchase it. Yeah, JD. Okay. Yeah, I started writing it 12 years ago, and uh, it's while well, I was at ESPN, and it's crazy how um, uh, the sufferings that Joe Joe B, my character, experiences in the book, sort of uh, happen come to come to life in my own life, well after I started writing about them. So, well, that was, was pretty wild. I, that was my my question. How much of this is is uh, is your own story? Yeah, I, I think my story is definitely in there. But the crazy thing, Dave, is that I wrote the story before it happened in my own life. It's not like I experienced this you know, crisis of being fired and being sort of a national mm-hmm. villain and then wrote about it. Like I wrote about it first and then it happened to me. So the Lord is funny like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Father, people are suffering today. I mean, we've had losses with, with COVID, obviously, and we've especially these people, these poor, poor people in in Ukraine right now that are going through this massive suffering. Do you have any words for them? Yeah. You know, um, tomorrow I'm, tomorrow I'm celebrating the funeral mass of a 14 year old girl who committed suicide. And as I am, you know, preparing to get on this show with you, I was working on her homily and like, what am I going to say to the family of a 14 year old girl who just committed suicide. And when we look, Dave, at, you know, the suffering of the world, like a local example, like the one I shared, a national example, like the one you shared, the answer is the same. It is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we look at the savior of the world hanging in agony on the cross, we see both the response to our suffering on God's part and the solution or the path forward on our part. You know, I can only point people to the cross. It's not a rhetorical act to say, offer it up or unite your pain to the Jesus on the cross. Like the cross comes to us in big and small ways. Each of us experience its weight, its pain. But when we allow it to consume us, when we allow it to transform us, when we truly give ourselves in imitation of Jesus to the cross, we find that it's not that the Lord wants us to suffer or the Lord is punishing us, it's that he's transforming us. And, mm-hmm. you know, my favorite verse in scripture is Romans eight twenty eight. In all things, God works together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. In all things, all things. It doesn't say in some things. It doesn't say if, if I just try a little harder, if I just be a better person, then God will work together. No, he says in all things, good and bad, suffering and joy, God is at work. And this is a mystery and it's not easy to explain. And it's certainly not easy to live, but the cross is the answer to all of our suffering. I, I believe in what's called, what I call transcendent truths. And, you know, I, I, I just... I believe that in the end, that's when everything is going to prove itself to be all right. You know, the the whole uh, Jesus, I trust in you 
takes me a long ways. Uh, I know that through the sufferings that I've been through in my life, I know in the end that everything's going to be all right. Whether it, I, I, you know, I've dealt with depression and things like that in my life, and I and I look at the cross and, and I, I know what you. So I know exactly what you're saying there, Father. Um, it's not easy, Dave, but. You know, anyone who's listening out this right now, anyone who's listening to us, you know, mm-hmm. I just invite you to consider whatever it is that you're going through. Like Jesus is not some vague abstract uh, philosophy in the sky, in the sky. He's not some vague moral being, some deity. He's a real person and he's actively interested in anything that concerns you, especially your pain. So right now, wherever you are in the world, you are loved and you are cherished by almighty God and your pain is precious to him. And I invite you to bring it to him. And if you need healing, come see me in the sacrament of confession too. That's a great, that is a great sacrament right there, father. I mean, that has the ability to lift spirits. It really does. Uh, I remember after I had received the sacrament of reconciliation and it had been a number of years, it had been, it had to have been 20, 25 years that I hadn't received Wow, and I I just remember leaving that 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 uh, that sacrament just drained from crying and, and and just it was just an amazing feeling, and and I recommend to everybody if if it's been a while since you've been to reconciliation, please 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 do it. And um, we spoke with Father Dolan another podcaster here in Connecticut that was featured in our article about reconciliation the priest cannot divulge anything that that's ever said in there so don't be afraid and, and you know don't be afraid of what's going to be said because most priests are priests that are that are, that are glad to hear confessions would you agree with that father yeah I- that's my favorite question. Father, would you hear my confession? And I think, you know, yes, the answer is always yes. If not right at this exact moment, then we will make an appointment right now to get there. But most of the time, yes, right now, we will step off to the side in airports and bus stations and on planes and trains. People have asked me to go to confession in all manner of places. And the answer is always yes, because Jesus is always open for business and his business is mercy. And Dave, what you were talking about, about the anonymity, the seat, the sacred seal of confession, it just made me think, you know, how with what the church has gone through in recent years and scandal and tragedy and terrible, terrible things by, by, by priests, by bishops, you know, by laity, by everyone, the scandals of the church are awful. And yet in all the headlines that we've read recently, we've never read the headline, Catholic priests break seal of confessional. Yeah. Air is dirty laundry. Never, never. The secret seal is inviolable and the priest's own salvation is tied to it. So um, whatever you've done, whatever your past has been, your sins are but a, a drop in the ocean of God's mercy. And the thing that, 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 that gets me is that a lot of times people, perhaps like yourself, you know, you said you were away for 25 years. Um, people who say, I don't need to go to God to confess my, I don't need to go to a priest to confess. I can just go right to God. And certainly there is, uh, it's important to ask God for forgiveness when we've sinned. That begins a graced conversation with the Lord. And the Lord looks at our hearts to see if we're truly repentant. 
But what I love about the sacrament of confession, and I myself go to confession every two weeks, what I love about the sacrament is in the words of absolution by the priest, we get a receipt for our absolution. We get a receipt for our forgiveness. So what happens if I'm praying in my room and I don't, I think I don't need a priest for confession and I ask God to forgive me and nothing happens. I don't feel the same. I, I feel, I should, I should say, I feel the same. I don't feel different. But when you walk out of confession, whether you feel tremendous relief with tears like you did that time, or you walk out and you're just kind of the same inside emotionally, no matter what your experience was emotionally, you have this receipt from the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, the one church that Jesus Christ founded, you are forgiven. You are right with God. You are restored to friendship with God. You are as clean and innocent as the day you were baptized. And whether you feel it or not, here's your receipt, the words of absolution spoken by the church's minister. To me, that's the big thing of confession. Like, I know that I'm right with God, whether it feels that way or not. Because a lot of times people are plagued by the sins that they've already confessed. And when we, when we experience that terrible uh, scrupulosity or, or, or just a, a fear of not being truly forgiven, we can gently remind ourselves, in the name of Jesus, I can reject this fear because I, I have been forgiven by the minister of the church. It's a beautiful thing. Sure. Father, I have a, I have a question for you. This is a personal experience with me. One day I was... I was walking into the church and the priest was walking out and I asked him, I says, father, do you have a minute for confession? He looked at his watch and he says, I really don't. I have to get somewhere. Okay. And then he asked me if I was okay. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm on my way to hell if, you know, if I don't, you know, um, wow. yeah. So, but I said, no. And he asked me, he says, well, what's your name? I'll keep you in prayer. I said, thank you, father. And, and you know, we parted ways. So I drove by um, a place that I knew a priest was at, and I um, I asked him, and he says, uh, "Do you have a minute for prayer?" He says, "No, uh, for confession." I says, "He says, no, I have to get somewhere." So I'm like, "Strike two. Is my are my sins on those the the priest's souls, or, or and it's probably a dumb question, but." in my heart, I was truly sorry for that. And I was, and I was trying to confess if anything had happened to me, would, would I have, would, I'm sure Jesus would have honored my desire for confession. Sure. Whether or not the, those sins are on the priest's soul in those two examples, I can't say, but I do know that I would always err on the side of mercy in that, you know, if, but thank God that you had that desire for a true confession and you had true contrition for your sins, it sounds like. And I think the Lord would have honored that, God forbid, something terrible happened. But what strikes me about those two stories is that by the time the priest stopped with the chit-chat of checking his watch and saying, what's your name? And I'll pray for you. We probably could have been done with confession anyway, if both of us were, you know, about yeah, our business. Right. We could have done this already. So that's what bothered me about yeah. that story. Well, just to, you know, God in his infinite mercy, I stopped by a, a retired priest's house that I know, and he 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 welcomed me in, and I was able to receive uh, the sacrament of reconciliation that that day. So it was praise God. Yeah, I mean, and and you know what? He's a he was a uh, confessor that I had had been to before, and and knew my story. So he uh, that helps. Yeah, yeah he counseled me uh, very well. So I, I, you know what? Maybe it was in God's mercy that I needed to hear his words and, and not just rush it. So, um, yeah. Um, Hey Dave Imhoff, 
would you like to uh, have any questions for Father? Uh, I don't think so at this time. Okay. Sorry. Right. Hi, Dave. Hi, Father. <laughs> so, uh, Father, actually, I asked a silly question. Go ahead. Is that a, uh, a Golden Knights jacket you got on? You're very perceptive. Yes, it is. Yes, that's. A, I'm wearing a a jacket of the Las Vegas Golden Knights hockey team over my my clerics and my priest collar and. Uh, my brother, Mike, lives in Las Vegas, and uh, I've gone to see him out there, and uh, we've gone to several Knights games, and we come from a hockey family, so uh, the Knights have become my favorite team. So, yeah, very good observation. Are you a hockey fan? Oh, yeah. Huh. The Rangers. <laughs> nice. The Rangers look good. Young yeah, my, team. I, my kids played youth hockey, high school hockey, my well, post-university. Well, they didn't play there. You know post-university in Waterbury? Yeah, I saw a billboard for it recently that said yeah. the second largest university in Connecticut. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, hockey. We like hockey. Nice. I was looking at that and I'm like, oh yeah, it's Golden Knights. That's what that is. <laughs> Dave, I have a question for you, sir. Which one? Which... <laughs> you. Yeah, you. I want to uh, know. Uh, tell me about how you first heard about Blessed Michael McGivney and... Uh, Tell me about this prayer that you say to him every morning. Oh. We were talking about this before we went on the air. Well, Father, we um, I was asked to become a member of the Knights of Columbus years ago by a good friend of mine, Mike Cianciello, uh, who just asked me if I was a knight. And then, uh, you know, I so I became a knight, and I kind of did some things, but it was uh, it was really when I started hanging around with Dave Imhoff and doing these Father McGivney Days of Reflection uh, that I began to see the charisms of Father McGivney. And it, I just, as far as saints go, I mean, yeah, St. Teresa of Avila still stays on the top of my list, but Father McGivney was an absolutely amazing, amazing man. I mean, he was so ahead of his time. He was a priest that would, would uh, fit in very well in, in today's church. And he was just a man of the people. He was a problem solver. Uh, and he was Irish, so, you know, <laughs> sure was. you know, I, I had the opportunity last time we did a, uh, blessed McGivney day of reflection down at the, uh, the, the museum in, in New Haven. I had the opportunity to sit with, uh, blessed McGivney's great nephew, wow. John Walsh. And what, a, he's just a, he's a character and he was just a lot of fun to be with. So, yeah. Um, so anyways, I, I, I started praying the uh, St. Michael Chaplet every morning at 6 o'clock Eastern Time. And uh, I, I decided I was going to close it up with the uh, the Blessed McGivney prayer every morning. Nice. Yep. And I mean, you know, I have a I have a relic of, you know, a third class relic that sits right next to me, a Blessed McGivney. But you have Blessed McGivney's, uh, you're, you're, he, you got him. <laughs> You want, to yeah. tell, you want to tell me about what that's like? <laughs> yeah, so I am the parochial vicar of St. Mary's Parish in New Haven, where Father McGivney uh, began his career as a priest, his, his life as a priest, and, and where he founded the Knights of Columbus, and where his body rests today. So um, the tomb of Father McGivney is in the back of our church, and I have the privilege of unlocking the church every morning and locking it up every night, and I, uh, I'm part of my routine every day is like, like you were saying with your 
Michael Chaplet and McGivney Prayer. Part of my routine is to stop at the tomb when I'm unlocking the church every morning and to spend a few minutes with him, a, a God willing, a future saint, uh, also a priest of the Archdiocese of Hartford, mm -hmm. who, and God in his graciousness, has given me the privilege of serving at Father McGivney's church. So when I became a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Hartford, uh, I was sent to theological college at the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. And one of the buildings on CUA's campus is McGivney Hall. And the Knights of Columbus um, erected a huge statue of Father McGivney in that sort of like classic priestly, warm, inviting, hand-extended pose that we see so often in images of Father McGivney. And so growing up as, a, you know, uh, becoming a young seminarian for the Archdiocese of Hartford, the legacy and lore of Father McGivney, one of our own priests is God willing going to be a saint someday, a saint that was born in Waterbury and lived in New Haven and, and was from Connecticut. This is incredible. Mm -hmm. So I immediately try, you know, tried to cultivate a devotion to him and began talking to him, asking to bless my, 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 my studies and eventually my priesthood. And that statue outside McGivney Hall, every time I would walk past it, I would veer off the path a little bit to go to the statue and give Father McGivney a high five. There you go. <laughs> ask, ask him to pray for me and to just kind of renew my interest in being his, his spiritual friend. And I was just so, uh, and I read the book, Parish Priest, which is the great biography of his life and mm -hmm. fascinating what Catholicism was like in a previous century. And now that I get to be assigned at his church and every day participate in his legacy and every day spend time at his tomb. And, and I just get the sense that he is, he gets a kick out of me and he's trying to put up with me, but he's working hard on me. So if anyone needs a miracle in their life, Father McGivney needs one more miracle for mm -hmm. canonization. So I, please come to the tomb and ask him for his intercession. I always recommend Father McGivney. As a matter of fact, each morning uh, we include in our prayer list Dave's brother, uh, Peter, who uh, is suffering with cancer right now, and a good friend of ours, David Lawrence Holly, who has is, is, um, been recently diagnosed with cancer. So we, we pray for them uh, through, his, through his intercession. You know, Father, we love Father McGivney so much. Dave Imhoff and I are working on bringing uh, Father McGivney, and I was really shocked that people over in Ireland don't even know who Father McGivney is. So we're doing an Into the Breach Day of Reflection on uh, March 21st in Cork, Ireland. Wow. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that we want to do is introduce Blessed McGivney to, you know, the country of his ancestry. That would be cool. And I'd like to invite you to, if you'd like to be involved with something like that, if, uh, you know, we could stay in touch. Yeah, we going to Ireland together? Is that what we're planning now? No, Father, it's Zoom. It's only Zoom. <laughs> but, well, you know, yeah, uh, so we're... If I, if, I could, uh, if I could just uh, butt in a bit. Now he wants On to talk. March 26th, we're doing a Blessed McGivney Day of Reflection in, in the States um, by Zoom. It's all, like he said, it's all Zoom. Um, and the other thing we have been doing is this Into the Breach Day of Reflection. We've do, done them both live and, and uh, virtual. So anyway, um, either or, one or the other, um, the Ireland one, I think, is May 21st right. um, in, uh, for Ireland. And uh, we're doing, but the Blessed McGivney Day of Reflection, which I thought you might be more might be interested in as well, uh, is... Uh, is um, 
March, it's this month, March 26th, it's Saturday, start at nine and we uh, will be done by three. So I'm not sure what your schedule, Saturday schedule is, but you could always leave early too. Just get a feel for what, what we're doing. Um, and, you know, anyway, yeah, just let us know. You send me an email or Dave an email, we'll send you the link. Thanks guys. If my parish duties permit me to be there, I would love to. Yeah, I would love to have you, Father. I mean, we're, we're trying to build a team to really get Father McGivney's name and uh, the fact that he is, he is a, 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 I believe, a powerful future saint. We're trying to get that, that message out. And, Me too. Um, having, certainly having the clergy involved is, is truly important. So, Yeah, I think it's a great idea, and I'd love to be able, to, I'd love to participate if I'm able. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you want to go, Father? What do you want to talk about? <laughs> You were talking about St. Teresa of Avila earlier. I was. She is my favorite saint. She, uh, my, my wife read some of her books and said, you have, to, you have to read about this woman. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. And I started reading about her, and, and she's just absolutely amazing. I love her to death. Uh, there's, a, there's a joke in my house that says, you know, Lori is my wife, Mary is my mother, and St. Teresa of Avila is my babysitter. So, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I was thinking or the other day, I heard, a, uh, I love the story of, she was such a powerful prayer warrior, of course, you know, the great doctor of prayer. And uh, one night the evil one appeared in her room trying to disrupt her and scare her. And that's all the, that's the only thing the evil one can really do is scare us, try to scare us. And she rolled over, she opened one eye. She said, oh, it's you. And she went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that's a brave woman right there. Right, she was amazing. Uh, yeah, I've read I've read a lot of her books, and and just that that was one reason why I I had chose to. Um, I at one point I was a member of the uh, Third Order of Carmelites, uh, the ancient observance. Um, yeah, she the Carmelite experience or the spirituality it it just really it, it speaks to me. Praise God. Yeah. And a lot of that, too, was uh, St. John of the Cross, too. I mean, how can you, you know, mention Teresa without mentioning John of the Cross? Sure. You know. How about you, Father? What's your, who's your favorite saint? My favorite saint is Maximilian Kolbe. I'm inspired by his gift of self that he made at Auschwitz. And, and everyone knows Maximilian's, um, the, the dramatic moment of his life when he offered to be executed in place of another prisoner. But the other aspects of his life that people don't talk about are absolutely wild. Maximilian Kolbe founded a monastery in Japan, didn't speak Japanese, didn't have any money. He was one of the first priests to make use of the means of media. He had a newspaper, he had a radio show. He founded a religious community in Poland that attracted hundreds of young men to religious life because of the way that he lived the Christian faith. And Maximilian uh, Colby is, uh, you were talking about how Father Michael McGivney is criminally underappreciated. I think that mm. St. Maximilian Colby is underappreciated as well. Anyway, he's my, he's my favorite saint. I actually had the opportunity, I used to serve at a, a convent, serve mass, and one of the friars that was there, he was an infirmed uh, friar, 
but uh, he was actually Maximilian Kolbe's roommate. Come on. Yeah, he the 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 priest Father Lucian died. He was I think he had just oh. he had just reached ninety nine years old, or or just he was ninety nine, almost ready to reach a hundred, and he was at Maximilian Kolbe's roommate. And uh, yeah, and that's so cool. Yeah, he actually. I, had given us a talk on, on what Maximilian was actually really, really like and how, you know, uh, unbelievably spiritual he was. And he was handing out uh third class relics of, of Maximilian. Oh. So I, I, oh. I got one of those. Yeah. He was Maximilian Colby was, a, he was an amazing guy. I mean, there are, he had his own true devotion to Mary, Sure. you know, which, um, you know, every, a lot of people are familiar with the the, the Montfort uh, formula of of devotion, and a lot of people are m- more people today are, are more with the thirty three days to morning glory, which is mm-hmm. uh, Father Gately's uh, devotion, true devotion. But um, yeah, Saint Maximilian Colby had a great uh, devotion. I think the the newspaper that he wrote was uh, Maculata. I think you're right. And uh, Knights of the Immaculate. Yeah. So, and this this show here, Father is is consecrated to Mary, our our Blessed Mother, um, because both Dave and I have such a devotion to her. Um, I, I did the uh, uh, the the De Montfort devotion, and I think Dave, you did the what the thirty three days to morning glory. Yes. Yeah. Thirty three days to morning glory. How about you, Father? Where's Where's Mary fit in your life? Yeah, front and center. <laughs> no kidding, huh? Yeah, I um, I'm working on my relationship with her this Lent, trying to be uh, more present to her as a son, and learning what it is that she would like me to know about her son. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I love Our Lady as much as I can, and I ask her often for the grace to love her more. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, She's, she's the lady in my life. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember when I came back to the church, um, I, my, my story truly is a to Jesus through Mary because it was, I started praying the rosary and I was still afraid of Jesus, but I figured eh, I'll get in good with Mary and what's, you know, right. So, I mean, I, I'm just, always I, I just love Mary I've consecrated my life to her, to her um, and I and I just remember on my return back I asked her to raise me as she raised Jesus wow. to, to be like my mother that. and raise me because I knew I knew I had a lot of growing up to do you know love that so and I was what in my late 30s maybe early 40s when when I came back to the church so I had a lot of years of just being naughty. Well, praise God, you got here eventually, and the Lord made for lost time. Well, I'm I'm still I'm still along the way, Father. Sure, and uh, the other thing, is, yeah, sh- shameless stream. shameless plug for the show show name. There it is. Oh, I got it. yeah, I didn't even get that. Praise <laughs> God, right over my head. So, let's just go back to your podcast a little bit. How often are you publishing uh, episodes? Uh, just about once a month. We, yeah. we took a little hiatus when I was 
transitioning from my old parish to my current parish. And when Natalia was um, uh, discerning where her family would go on a mission next. So we were off for a couple of months, but I think it was a nice break. And now we just had our, we just had two live episodes recently and uh, talking about our favorite Catholic books in the last one. So Very I think nice. we're going to be in a monthly schedule from going forward. Very nice. Father, I know you've got to run. Um, because you got a mass to get to, and that is way more important than, than this show. Um, Father, would you give us a blessing? Absolutely. It's my honor. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, I just come before you in my full priestly authority, and I command every blessing of heaven and earth to come upon your servants, Dave and Dave, the Along the Way podcast, the Spiritual Renewal Center, and everyone listening to this right now. May every blessing anoint their lives, their homes, their bodies, their minds, their souls, their memories, their finances, their jobs, their careers, their relationships, every area of their life. May it come under your divine anointed power and fire through the intercession of the most blessed Virgin Mary, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Maximilian Colby, and blessed Michael McGivney, your holy guardian angels and your patron saints. May each of you know the peace of Jesus Christ, which is beyond all understanding. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Father. For my guest, Father Anthony Federico, my producer, David Imhoff, I'm down the hall, Dave, praying that your troubles be less, your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. We will see you next time. Sometimes things are harder than they seem. Take, for instance, this two-minute audio program. I want to be a writer and producer of inspirational Catholic content. So throughout the day, I'm constantly thinking about what would be an interesting story or a viewpoint to share with you. But when I sit at my computer, all those profound ideas seem to be a jumbled mess. That's why I'm writing this particular message now. I've always loved the quote by Henry David Thoreau. If one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams, and endeavors to live the life he has imagined, he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. That quote, penned by the 19th century essayist, has always been a guiding principle to me, because it is in those dreams and aspirations that I feel we find God's calling in our life. In life, we are given talents and are called to use them to glorify God and to help build the kingdom of heaven. This explains why men and women alike have turned from the worldview of living the dream to following the dream. Some have given up childhood dreams to fulfill their calling. I am always amazed when I hear of stories of brothers and sisters in Christ that have given up worldly security of wealth for a simple vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience. While others leave such orders to make a difference in the lives of many and making the world a better place for it. As for me in this endeavor of making inspirational Catholic content, I am not sure of God's timeline on success. But I do know in my heart it is my call and my passion. So I will go confidently in the direction of my dreams, even when it's harder than it seems it should be, saying, Jesus, I trust in you.